Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. God, we love you so much, and we pray that you move on us and touch us today as we study your word. God, let your word become alive in our hearts, our minds, our souls, Lord. God, let us see the condition of this world. God, the hatred and the bitterness, the, just the sadness of seeing the condition that America has become, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you touch us as a church, that we'll be able to be a light in a dark place, that we'll be able to be salt, Lord, that's able to change the decaying process of this city, Lord, of this state, of this country. God, I pray that you help us and touch us and lead us in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. I'm, gonna, I'm taking my jacket off. It's hot in here. You may be seated. It's hot. I feel good. You know, salt isn't only a preservative. It isn't an agent that helps uh, stopping things from decaying, but salt is also an irritant. <laughs> it, it irritates. You get salt water in your eyes, and it's going to irritate your eyes, and that's how it is. We're the salt of the earth, and I'm going to tell you something. When you start being a Christian, you're going to irritate this world. This world's going to get upset. Amen. That's why we see the onslaught of Christianity, man. They want to stop us. They want to stop churches. They want to stop us from being able to, to preach and teach the Word of God. Amen. Second uh, Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now notice it's glory. Now notice glory both now and forever. Amen. And then notice uh, Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You may, you may be seated again. For the, now notice, for the grace of God that appeareth salvation, uh, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So I believe with all, I believe the word of God. Number one, I believe that nobody passes from this earth without God dealing with him. Amen. Now, in our minds, we can't figure that out. But the Bible said his ways are not our ways. Amen. So it's not up to me to understand how God deals with every man because the Bible says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Amen. So he works in the hearts of every man. There's something that only he can feel. And before that person leaves this earth, they have an opportunity to know him. I just believe that. Now, uh, we've got to understand that this world... Uh, isn't always true. you got to understand the difference between facts and truth. Amen. You can make facts say anything you want it to say. But truth is what prevails. Truth is going to triumph. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. You can't say, well, I follow Buddha or I follow Confucius or I follow Allah or any of those other, Muhammad. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And so that's the only way. And that's what we have to come to grips with today. Do you remember the story about the Titanic that sank in 1912? How many of y'all remember that story? Well, that's a, it's a pretty big story. The, uh, now, notice um, that ship was supposed to be unsinkable. Everybody say unsinkable. So here's the Titanic. It's built, and they boast it's unsinkable. And it's on its first voyage, first journey, Okay. And the only thing it ever did do was sink, even though they said it was unsinkable. 
When it took off from England, all kinds of passengers were aboard. I want you to understand this. All kinds of passengers were on board. Millionaires were on board. Celebrities were on board. People of moderate means like you and I were on board. And there were even poor people down in the steerage, down in the the belly of it and everything. But hours later, hours later, when they put the list into the cruise line office in New York that it had sank, notice what it said. It carried only two categories. It didn't say millionaires and celebrities and people of moderate means and poor. It only had two categories when they sent the news. It said lost and saved. There were people that were lost and there were people that were saved, amen. Tragedy has leveled all distinctions. You hear what I'm saying? When that all came down to it, it didn't matter if you had a lot of money or no money. It didn't matter if you were famous or you weren't famous. It all came down to the fact that there was two categories that were discussed there. Those that were lost and those that were saved, amen. We're living in a world that you're either saved or you're lost. There's no gray area when it comes to God. You can't choose how I'm going to live for God. you got to live for God the way he says you have to live for him, amen. Because it's the truth that makes you free, not not just any old idea that you have or, oh, I don't believe that and I don't believe this, but I do believe that. It doesn't work that way with God, amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. One old preacher said the gospel is for lifeboats. Now, here's what he said. The gospel is for lifeboats, not showboats. You know, there's so many people in Pentecost and all these other, that they're showboats. They want to show off. They want to dress a certain way and look a certain way. And, and they're, they're so concerned about attention being afforded them to where they're in front and everything. So this old preacher said that the gospel is for lifeboats, not showboats. And a Christian must make up his mind which boat they're going to operate. Today, when you came to church, did you decide which boat you're going to operate? Is this church going to be a church that is a lifeboat for people that are lost, uh, people that are drowning in sin, people that are out there in the depths of sin just being tossed to and fro? Or is it going to be a showboat? You're just going to come and do your little thing today and sing or play or just shout and jump a little bit and then leave the same way that you came. I'm here to tell you that you can't come to church leaving. you got to come and get locked into the presence of God and say, God, not my will be done but thine. Amen. I've got to worship God today. I've come to praise him. I've come to lift him up. I've come to worship him. You know why? Because it's all in him. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. There was a picture of Jesus that was hung in the back of a pulpit. And when the minister rose up to speak, he blocked out the picture of Jesus. And the little boy was sitting in the pew with his mother. And he said, Mom? And she said, Yeah, baby, what? He said, Why does that man block us from seeing Jesus? And when I read that story this morning, I had to put it in my notes because it impacted me, amen? People need to see Jesus, and I wonder if we're blocking the world's ability to see Jesus by the way that we carry ourselves, by the way we live, amen, by our conduct. Are we blocking people from seeing Jesus? Are they seeing us at church? Are they seeing what we're doing at church? But are they seeing Jesus? That's the question, amen, and that's what's so important for us. People used to blush when they were ashamed, but now they are ashamed if they blush, amen? 
We're living in a messed up day. We're living a day where people are so messed up that they can't even blush because the Bible says that the preachers are dealing falsely with the people. That's in the book of Jeremiah, that the people dealt falsely with them. He's saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace, amen? I'm here to tell you that this world can talk about peace. Uh, they can talk about how good they feel. No, 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 they don't have peace, amen, because he is the prince of peace. And that's the only way you're going to find peace. And so we see that, that uh, people are ashamed to blush. They're not uh, blushing because they're ashamed. They're ashamed to blush. School campuses won't allow students to dress as Indians during Halloween. They won't let them dress as a Mexican bandito with the, with the deal like in the old days. They can't dress like certain ethnic groups because it's offensive, but they'll let them come to school dressed like a stripper or dressed like a, a, a little old girl dressing up like Madonna or whoever's out there now that has hardly anything on, but that's okay. You know why? Because this world is so messed up. People can't blush anymore. I'm here to tell you when you can watch a TV show and sit there and hear the cussing and all the stuff that goes on and you don't blush, you better find an altar and run to God and say, God, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Church, we got to get back to the place where morality is going to set people free. They've got to see the morality in this church that's going to be able to help them overcome sin. Amen. Modesty has disappeared in a shameless generation with no fear of God, and they mock sin. Amen. We got politicians that mock sin. They, they don't care who they destroy. They don't care what they do. They laugh and they mock, and it's all about what they want, and they've got everything so messed up, and little kids don't know who they are, and, and they're trying to change the foundation of everything, but I got news for you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They can try to change laws. They can change people's opinion. But God's word stands true. Amen. You might as well go ahead and say, you know what? I'm not backing down. I, I'm not going to let political correctness change my view. I, I've locked in on what God's word says. And it's kept me here for 13 year, eight, 38 years. And I'll stay here another 38 if I live that long. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. Isaiah 28, 14 through 16 speaks of this same type of a rebellious generation. Isaiah 28 takes place during Hezekiah's reign. The setting is the restless period of uh, uh, intrigue with Egypt, which led to Hezekiah's revolt against Assyria. Ephraim was the chief tribe of the northern kingdom of Israel. As the people mocked Isaiah's prophecy, Israel ref uh, Isaiah referred to them as Drunkard sitting at a banquet table with vomit all over the table. You know that's in the Bible? Isaiah 28, it says Ephraim was so drunk that it was like them sitting at a banquet table with vomit all over the table. They gorged themselves and they ate until their bodies were full of pleasure and then they vomited all out on the table. And, and the Bible says, he says, that's what Ephraim's like. That's what they're like, a drunk man, because they were mocking the things of God. And they say, Isaiah said, you know what? There's going to be trouble coming. They said, oh, we don't care. We've made a covenant. Now, you listen to me. America has made a covenant with the devil. You hear what I'm saying? If the church doesn't rise up and be the church, we're in trouble. If we don't stand up for what's right, we're in trouble. Amen. 
They, they were men of scorn and mockery. They scorned and mocked all that the word of God had to say. At the threatening of punishment, they even made a joke of death and of hell, amen, because you have said your conduct towards God, that's what Isaiah said, because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell are we at agreement. I got news for you. There's people that's running this country that don't believe in hell. They don't believe that anything's ever going to happen to them because they've gotten away with it for so long. But I've got a God that's tender in his mercies. I've got a God that wants to show his grace no matter how wicked they are up in, in Washington. I, I've got a God that can extend his mercy and extend his grace. Amen. But they have made a covenant, they've said with death and they've made an agreement with hell when the overflowing scourge shall pass through it shall not come unto us they don't think the judgment day is coming to them they don't think that they're going to be judged by the way that they treat people and the way that they've done this country and how they've tried to destroy God's laws they, they, they don't think that anything's ever going to happen to them because where is what they say where is God how come he hadn't come back yet uh, is he going to come back yeah he's going to come back and he's going to come back like a thief in the night. You're not going to know when he's coming back, amen. But I've got news. Somebody asked me one time, are you saved? I said, no. Well, I thought you was a Christian. I am. But then you're not saved? No, but I'm safe. The Bible says those that endure to the end shall be saved. I'm not saved because I'm still here, but I'm safe because I've been obedient to the word of God. I love the word of God. I love the presence of God, and I'm not selling that for anybody. Amen? Somebody say praise the Lord. So you made a covenant with hell. That's what the Bible says. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come upon us, and we have made lies our refuge. Listen to what it says. We made lies our refuge. Man, you ain't nobody can lie better than a politician. They've made lies their refuge. They'll tell you, oh, if you vote me in, I'll do this, and then they lie. They lie, and then they go back and do exactly what they want to do to keep their power, amen. We're living in a generation like that. I've got news for you. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time to shake the chains off. It's time to say, you know what? I'm coming out of this coffin of compromise. I'm coming out of this, this, this mediocrity that I've been in. I am going to get a hold of prayer. I'm going to get a hold of the Word of God, and I'm going to ask God to use me in this world that's lost. They need to see Jesus. Amen. Praise Tabernacle has a great opportunity. Our young people are on fire for God. Our young people know how to pray. They know how to worship. Some of them know how to preach. Amen. How preach me. I'm not worried about this next generation. I'm worried about my generation. Have we fallen asleep? Have we forgot what it was like to have a miracle? Have we forgot what it was like when God changed us? When we were broken by that revelation, amen. People need to see Jesus today, church. That's what they need to see. We are so scared of political correctness that we become tolerant of sin. Now, now listen to me. It's important that you understand. I'm so sick of the word tolerant. The left, oh, oh y'all aren't tolerant. Well, you're not tolerant. You say we can't even sing about Jesus at Christmas time. We've never said that they can't worship um, Muhammad or I don't make a sign that says skip that holy day. 
Oh, but y'all aren't tolerant because you're Christian. No, no, no. You're not tolerant because we are Christians. You think because we're Christians, we're not going to say anything. And see, that's the problem. For so long, we became so caught up in mediocrity. We became so caught up in wanting people to like us. Well, if we'd just be more likable, you'll never be likable to the world. They hate you for his namesake. Unless you get rid of his name, they ain't going to like you. Amen? Let, let's, let's go on. Let's take a look. See, So here's how we've compromised the political correctness. Alcoholism is now a disease. That's a disease now. No, you know what it is? A cirrhosis of the liver is a disease that comes from alcoholism. Alcoholism is not a disease. It's a sin. Amen? Oh, it got quiet on that one. Adultery is now an affair. What does that mean? An affair. It's adultery. It's sin. Amen? Rioting and mayhem is now free speech. Where are you going? I'm going to work. I can't get through. Why? Because there's free speech going on. They're going to block the roads. They're going to scream. They're going to bust windows. They're going to rob stores. They're going to do that because it's free speech. We're supposed to be okay with that. And these politicians up there are facilitating it because they want to be politically correct. I got news for you, friend. There's nothing correct about that. I tell you what they're lacking. They're lacking a mom. And do y'all remember when the riots in, in, I think it was Baltimore, when that one woman saw her son out there riding? You remember when she went out? Did y'all go see, did y'all see that on YouTube where she went out there and grabbed him and slapped him upside his head? Oh! She hit him. Oh, she's so wet. He's breaking windows, throwing rocks at policemen. And she goes out there and tells him to come in. He yanked away from her. Bad mistake. Man, I learned a long time ago, you don't mess with mama bear. Daddy bear eats you up, but mama bear, she'll injure you. Amen. She whacked him upside his head. And guess what? She went, he went home with her. And we need a little bit more of that today. That's what the problem is. There's no, there's no family anymore. This old society has chipped away at the family, and now the family's nothing. The family, it, it doesn't have any support system anymore. Mom and dad are, are they, they don't even earn any an agreement anymore. They just kind of exist, and they go their own ways and meet in the middle, amen. And, and the kids do what they want to do and dress the way they want to dress, amen. I remember when bell bottoms came out, man. I had this bright idea, and I'm from Texas. We don't wear bell bottoms, but they look cool to an eighth grader. And I told my dad, I'm going to go buy some bell bottoms. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, oh, I'm going to buy it. He said, I ain't going to give you the money. I said, I got my own money. He said, do you have enough for two pair? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, buy two pair. I said, why? He said, I'm going to put one down. Now I'm going to beat a pound of flesh off you and cover it up with the other. <laughs> Y'all think he was kidding. <laughs> he wasn't. I didn't get them bell bottoms. You know Why? Because there was a certain rules that I had in his house. And he told me a long time ago, when your feet don't fit under this table anymore, you're going to get out and get your own place. Amen. 
You understand what I'm saying? If curfew's at 10, I didn't come in at 10.05. What happened? What happened when the kids tell us, uh, I watched Leslie, I got, I, I went out last time I was down there. Uh, she, KK thinks her uh, gummy bear vitamins are candy. They told her it was candy so she'll eat them. You tell that little hard-headed thing they're vitamins, she ain't going to eat them. So, okay, KK, get two candies. And she stuck her hand down that jar and she grabbed a handful. And she couldn't get her hand out. She tried and tried. Her mama said, get two. So she dropped some and her hand came out and she had three. And Leslie said, okay, you can have three. I said, no, 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 she ain't going to have three. See, that's the problem. We got the kids running the household. Man, when you tell your children something, stick to it. You know why? They're learning character. They're learning to have that, that, that uh, know in their life. Amen. Because when they get out of school and get out of your house, they're going to find out no's a real word. Amen. You might as well get them used to it right now. Amen. And so that, that's what immorality is a lifestyle choice now. That's what the world says. That's a political correctness. We are so fond of being called tolerant and broad-minded that we wink at sin and we ought to be weeping at it. Amen. When's the last time you cried? I saw a girl yesterday and her hair was so messed up and had tattoos all over and I'm serious. I got sick to my stomach when I saw her, and I just felt so bad, and I said a prayer for her. You know why? Because I, I want God to change that. I want, she's looking for something, but nobody's telling her who Jesus is. Amen. You've got to tell them. I stopped and said, ma'am, do you know something? She said, what? I said, Jesus loves you, and she looked me right in the eye. I said, ma'am, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. And she said, I, I know he does. I said, no, do you really know Jesus loves you? I said, because if you really know it, you're going to fall in love with him. And I got to talk to her. But, see, that's the world that we're living in, man. We're so tolerant that we overlook sin and we laugh at sin. We wink at sin. But when's the last time you weeped over sin? When's the last time you cried because you saw somebody that was bound? The, the, the homeless that's out there that's on the street corner with the signs and everything. I know we go by, we all got the same thing. Oh, they're not really homeless. They make good money doing that. Uh-oh. See, we all think that way. But it don't matter. Something's wrong if he's going to do that, amen? And they need Jesus more than they need anything else. We're talking about the grace of God. We haven't got there yet, but I'm laying the foundation. The tragedy of today is that the situation is desperate but the saints are not, amen? We're not desperate enough to see God really shake this city up, amen? We're not desperate enough. You hear all this junk about these politicians going on and these ads. I can't turn the radio on and just make you sick that they all are saying something about somebody. And none of them are saying what they're going to do. They're just saying how bad the other person is, amen? Man, when I was in the third grade and we did that, we got a whooping. If these politicians' kids would do that, they'd, look at that, they'd get a whooping and be sent to the room. There's no respect for humanity because they don't respect life. They don't understand what life is. That's why, that's why the, the political uh, left, they, they hate the fact that there's a judge that, oh, he's going to change the abortion. And they say, 
Is it precedent? Is it pre-? They ask him a hundred times, is it precedent? Do you think it's precedent? Do you, do you think you have a right to change it? And they kept asking him, asking, you know, it's the Constitution. And then when it comes to the Second Amendment, we got to change the Second Amendment. We, we can't let people have guns. Uh-oh, y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying now? You see how the world works? If it, if it satisfies them, it's okay. If it don't, you're wrong. And nobody's tolerant, amen, because they're always fighting and arguing and everything. And the tragedy today is that the situation is desperate, but the saints aren't. we got to get desperate. And every place in the Bible where somebody got desperate, God honored that. God blessed them. And I'm here to tell you that if Praise Tabernacle gets desperate, we're going to see a move of God that's going to blow this city up, amen. We're going to see a move of God that's going to change lives and change families. Somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, church, what we live is what we believe, amen? Everything else is just religious talk. If you don't live what you believe, it's just religious talk. If all you do is come to church on Sunday and worship and clap your hands and leave and don't live it, it's just religious talk. You're just, you're, you're just spitting in the wind. You young people know what that means, to spit in the wind? Have you ever heard that? You have. You know what it means? Well, next time your dad's driving, roll down the window. Stick your head out the same direction he's going and spit. It's going to come right back on you. And see, that's what happens when, you're, when you come to church and clap your hands and you say, I'm going to worship God. But when you leave, you don't leave change. You just leave the same way. It's like spitting in the wind. You're getting it out, but it's coming right back on you. And see, that's what's wrong with the world is we got too many Christians that are spitting in the wind. In other words, they're not really selling out to God. They're, they're compromising in their lives, amen. We need the grace of God to intervene in our lives. We need the grace of God to intervene in our church, to intervene in our city, to intervene in our country, amen. Where would we be today? without the grace of God in our lives? That's a question that you need to ask yourself. Now, we're going to talk about the grace of God for the next few times when I teach, and, and, and I want you to understand that because I know that all of us think we always heard grace is unmerited favor with God, and, and, and it does mean that, but it has a different meaning when it's a verb, when it's active, amen? And so we're going to talk about that. So where would you be today without the grace of God in your lives? Where would you be? What would the end of mankind be without his grace? Where would we be if it wasn't for his grace? I'm here to tell you that when I walked through the back doors of the church, you heard me say it. I walked in high. I walked in all messed up. I walked in bitter, uh, full of hatred and everything. When I walked through the back doors, man, uh, God gave me that space of grace where he removed all the confusion. I was able to have my life change, amen. My life was changed just like that because of the grace of God. So what would the end of mankind be without his grace? None of you would be here today. We need to seek out a definition for grace, for the grace of God, and then with careful prayer, with careful prayer and continuous study, make an unprecedented attempt to let the grace of God flow in our lives. We need to come to the place to where we really get down and study the word of God because it's the word of God that's going to keep us. The flowers and the grass are going to wither and fade away, but his word lasts forever, amen? 
You can't destroy the Word of God. I know politicians are trying to do it. I know false teachers are trying to do it. I know people are saying that, oh, it ain't real. You know what? Everybody that said it ain't real, they're gone, and the Word of God's still here. Amen? That's like the blacksmith that he was working, and he had an anvil, and, and he had a horseshoe, and he was beating that anvil with that, that hammer. Bing, 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 bing. And this guy watched him do that for about 30 minutes. And that anvil was taking punishment. Bing, bing, bing. It was all over. He went in there and he said, hey, sir. He said, I watched you beat that anvil with that piece of metal and that hammer. He said, how many, how long have you been doing this? He said, I've been doing this for 18 years. He said, 18, how many anvils have you gone through? He said, I've only had one anvil. And then he pointed in the corner. He said, but I've had a whole lot of hammers, and all these broken hammers were over there. I've got news for you. The Word of God is like an anvil, amen. And there's a lot of people that tried to hammer away at it. Man, Voltaire, amen. Lord Baron, all of them tried to hammer away at it. Ping, ping, it ain't real. Ping, it ain't going to last. Ping, Darwin, ping, the, the, the uh, politician, ping, ping, ping. But guess what? The Word of God's still here, and they're all a bunch of broken lives that are thrown in the corner somewhere, amen. Come on, church, it's time to rise up. It's time to say, you know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in that pile of hammers too. But oh, something got a hold of me. It got in my hands. It got in my feet. I like that part where it got all over me, amen. Something got a hold of me. See, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for somebody that's going to let the grace of God flow in their life. When people first hear the word grace, they're at a loss to describe it. If you ask somebody, oh, what's grace, you'll... You, you, and most of them will say unmerited favor. And then some really, they, they don't know. They'll get grace and mercy mixed up. Amen. A lot of people do because a lot of times when you hear mercy, you hear grace. So grace and mercy kind of get messed up at times. And mercy is just, an e- is just easier to understand. But a child uh, with church in his life, mercy was simply not being worried about the wrath of God. God's mercy means that, that uh, we don't have to worry about him being mad at us, amen, that, that, that he's going he's gonna to protect us. And, and for most people um, growing up in a denominational church like I was or even a Pentecostal church like some of you were, the power of God was seemingly stressed more than the responsibility of man to live a holy life. See, see, that's what's wrong. We got the horse before the cart. And we stress the power of God, but we ought to be stressing our responsibility to live a holy life because he is holy. I've got to be holy, amen? Be you holy for I am holy. Amen? See, that's what I like. I, I like to, to, to show you what the word of God tells us and it helps us to understand so that we're not going to be up and down. We're not going to be in and out, but we're going to be able to, to take a good look at who Jesus Christ is. And we're going to say, you know what? I don't care how bad this world is because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You hear what I'm saying? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But it's going to take a church that's willing to live a life that's in responsibility of holiness to become Christ-like so that God can use us in this last day. Amen. When everybody else is being politically correct, we're going to be biblically correct. We're going to let people know there is an empty spot in you, but God said he's going to, he, he comes to all men with salvation. He wants to show every man salvation. Amen. And this church is going to be the cornerstone that God's going to use to see a lot of people come to him 
him before he comes back for this, this church. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. So the power of God was seemingly stressed more than the responsibility of man to live, to live holy. So therefore, the unbalanced and doctrinal teachings brought unjustified comfort in the existence of sin in our everyday life. That's why people can live in sin in the everyday life because it's, it's, it's no doctrinal backing because they're not listening to the doctrine of it. They're listening to the ideas of men. Men became wise in their own eyes, it says. They became prudent in their own heart. They learned how to call evil good and good evil. That's what's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. But see, we'll listen to what man says, but we'll reject what the doctrinal truth says. Amen? So the unbalanced and doctrinal teachings brought unjustified comfort in the existence of sin in our everyday life. That's why, that's why when people start living wrong, uh, they, they don't like coming to church because they're going to hear something. Amen? And some people don't like to come to the, the, the first service because it's teaching. They want to shout. They want to have that Band-Aid placed on something, that, that bruise or scrape they got during the week uh, where they fell down and sinned. They're going to come back and shout it out. Amen? They're the kind of people that go down the aisle at the grocery store and they see that, that the turn says shout. <laughs> and, Woo! That's what the, I need to bring a bottle of that shout and just spray it on some people every once in a while. They ain't shouting in so long. Shout it out. But, but you know, that, that's how the world is. It, it gets us to think that we're comfortable where we're at because the, the doctrinal foundation isn't being taught anymore. Not in this church, but in a lot of churches and all over this, this valley, amen. So it's important. 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Some people say, I don't like doctrine. It divides. It does. It divides right from wrong and light from darkness. That's what doctrine does. It divides. Amen. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, I'll go to a place where I can live the way I want to live. I'll go to a church that doesn't preach. Preach what? Go ahead and finish the sentence. You're going to go to a church where they don't preach what? Go ahead. Truth. You want to heap to yourself a teacher to go scratch your little itching ears. I got a little Jack Russell Chihuahua mix. When I get in the house, he comes running. He'll hit that doggy door and stick his head outside and look, then he'll come in. He wanted to make sure I was safe. And then he'll come up to me, and what will I do? I'll reach down and scratch his ear, and you know what he does? And then he gets that leg. And see, that's what some people, they come to church because they want the preacher to scratch their itching ear and they get them a little shout. Oh. I like that preacher because I'm not so bad. But they're sitting in your life, but I'm not bad. He didn't say, he didn't say you can't do that. Somebody told me one time, God made marijuana. Why can't I smoke it? I said he made poison ivy, roll it and smoke that. 
But you're not going to, are you? They won't have to have that lip surgery, I promise you. Their lips will get out there real big. Amen? See, that's the foolishness of this world without doctrine. That's the foolishness of trying to be a Christian without sound doctrine. Because without sound doctrine, you can't have the grace of God. And without the grace of God, you're not going to be able to be saved. Mm, boy, I wish I got a better response out of that one. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Titus 1, 8, 9. But a lover of hospitality, uh, hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful words as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. You know what? When we get to the place where we believe sound doctrine and we live sound doctrine, people are going to be able to understand what we're saying and they're going to see a change in us. Amen. That's when my brother, after 30-something years, he calls me up and says, Danny, I got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. I just want you to know. I wanted to call you. I wanted to thank you for living for God all those years. You were always the same. You never try. Come on, church. I'm trying to tell you something. 38 years ago, I found sound doctrine. 38 years ago, I quit letting somebody scratch my itching ears and God got a hold of me. And the grace of God changed me. And it says right here, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. You learn how to live for God with a true heart. You learn to live by sound doctrine, and God's going to use you to convince the gainsayers. My, 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 my. It's not until you understand from the heart the holiness of God and the responsibility of man that you'll be able to launch out into the deeper walk with Jesus Christ by his grace. And when you learn who he is, when you learn what your responsibility is, you're going to be able to launch into a deeper, deeper walk with God. You're going to be able to see him do things in your life that nobody will ever understand. He'll do things in your life that you're scared to tell somebody else because you don't think they'll believe you. Because he's going to move into a relationship with you that's going to change your everyday walk. It's going to change the way you look at people. It's going to change the way you talk to your wife. It's going to change the way you talk to your husband. It's going to change the way that you correct your children. It's going to change your children to the place where they're going to respect their father and honor their mother and their father. It's going to make a change in your life to the point that you're going to say, you know what? I don't need affirmation from anybody in this world. I don't need somebody to tell me that I'm good enough. Because I know that when God changed me and his grace overshadowed me and that space of grace came and removed all the confusion, I was able to see him. And I was also able, when I saw him, to see my responsibility. And that's what happened to Isaiah chapter 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Before that, five chapters of woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. And then in the sixth chapter, that space of grace, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and I said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw God, and then he saw his responsibility as a man to repent 
and make things right. God has placed a special anointing on this church. I know people always say, brother, everybody's, no, no, no. I've watched God in the work of these young people and, and, and these young people that weren't raised in church coming and they're sitting on the front row. I've watched what's God done in some of you men and some of you ladies and how he brought you out of that dark place and everything. God has a special anointing on this church. He, he has planned it out. We have not had a pastor that run us into a bunch of uh, uh, walls and, and put us in so much debt that, that people get so frustrated they want to leave. No, no, no. God's got his hand on it. God's moving us along. We're just walking it out step by step. You know why? Because God's got a plan for this church. God has a revival for this church. But it's going to take us understanding who God is and have his grace come to us so that it removes the confusion. We can make a responsible decision that, you know what? I'm going to look inside my heart and my mind is not going to get in the way. I'm going to find out what's there that needs to be taken out. Because I don't want anything to hinder me from allowing the God's grace to fill me. I don't want anything to stop God's grace from filling me. Amen. A divine influence upon the heart that reflects out. That's what grace is in the Bible when it's used as a verb. It's action. A divine influence upon the heart that reflects out. Yeah, I didn't deserve the grace of God. It was unmerited favor. But that wasn't where grace stopped. When I saw my responsibility, it was, God's, it was God's unmerited favor that brought me to that Pentecostal church. But it didn't stop there. When his unmerited favor brought me, and then grace became that active verb where it removed all the confusion where I could see my responsibility and I ran to an altar and on April 9th, 1980 I became a new creature in Christ. Old things what? Old things what? Passed away and all things became new. There was a divine influence upon my heart that now reflects out to this church. When I'm teaching, that's the grace of God, that divine influence upon my heart reflecting out to you. And you as a Christian need to find out whether you're going to be operating a showboat or a lifeboat. If you decide to operate a lifeboat in your life, God's grace that divine influence upon the heart is going to reflect out into the lives of many people. Every head bowed. God, I just hope this church realizes how blessed we are that we can come together as brothers and sisters. God, I'm so thankful for every family member that's here. And I'm thankful for your unmerited favor of grace that has brought everybody here. But God, we can't stop there, but Lord, we want to see that divine influence upon our lives that are going to reflect out into other people. Let us live for you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
as we journey through this lesson on grace, move on us, touch us, lead us, guide us, Lord. Help us to do your will so that others are going to be saved. As you said in your word, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Amen. God, we know that you're going to appear to a lot of people through your grace, through us, to see people saved. Everybody say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. Young people, I love y'all. Love you guys. And every one of you old people like me, I love y'all. And all y'all younger than me, I love y'all. <laughs>